Welcome to the Crispin Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Crispin. Thanks for listening this Wednesday, April 28th, 2021. Topics on today's episode include mergers and acquisitions in the mortgage space, my interview with Josh Friend on mortgage companies producing customers for life, and some notes on housing data. Today's podcast is presented by Capacity. Capacity is an industry leader in mortgage automation that empowers mortgage professionals with instant knowledge and automated workflows. Thanks to 24-7 service, clients receive a superior experience throughout the entire loan process. Capacity connects apps, mines documents, captures tacit knowledge, and automates processes through a mobile-friendly chat interface. There sure is a lot going on out there. From California comes news that Finance of America is buying certain assets from California's Parkside Lending. And from Texas, the parent company of Dallas-based Veritex Community Bank is buying a minority stake in Thrive Mortgage LLC for $53.9 million in cash. There is certainly chatter about many more deals in the pipelines as companies, flush with 2020 earnings, are looking to bolster gaps in lending channels or geography. In-person conference news continues to increase. MBA Georgia's event is in a few weeks as well as a live Empower event and the Great River MBA Conference in Tennessee in August, featuring MBA President Bob Brokesmith. Also ahead are Florida, Texas, and California conferences that have every intention of being in person with safety as a paramount concern. For the links to those conferences, as well as the latest on employment and lender services and products, visit robchrisman.com. In the last 24 hours came news that Veritex Community Bank is buying a minority stake in Thrive Mortgage LLC for $53.9 million, greatly expanding Thrive's construction lending and jumbo lending capacities. Last month was the guaranteed rate Stearns deal, and a few weeks ago, news broke of the Caliber New Res deal, closing by September. Yes, mortgage servicing rights have value. Deep capital and a strong origination platform are never a bad combination. For today's interview, I wanted to bring on Josh Friend, CEO and founder of Incelerate. Incelerate is meant for lenders to intelligently distribute and manage leads, kind of work on their uh, workflow prioritization. But I wanted to bring you on more so to be a subject matter expert. And part of that as, as running a, a vendor company is how vendors can tailor their products to maximize customer experience. In your experience, how have you done that? And how have you seen other people do it successfully? Or what are some common pitfalls? Yeah, I think, um, you know, what, what I would say is how to really, you know, maximize the customer experience. And that's really what our, you know, what we focus on in the platform is just the overall customer experience, whether it's CRM or lead management or marketing automation. Um, but what really drives that, and I think what lenders really need to focus in on is having what I call data alignment. Having your systems across all boards being able to interact with each other um, and having things like knowing when someone calls you or you call them. Because, you know, more than just a uh, loan officer takes action, actually truly um, have all of those pieces of data and then be able to then measure it and report on it. So you can tell customer experience and happiness by a few ways. One, you can tell it by you'll get reviews and what kind of referral business you get. You also can tell customer experience by are you are your sales picking up and how is your sales going? Because, you know, if you don't give good service, you're not going to have a lot of transactions. Right. So services, you know, also see a lift in production through service. So having, you know, your data line is really uh, powerful. I'd say a pitfall right now, I've seen a lot of lenders we go into and start working with, they may be running four or five disparate systems right now. And, you know, maybe all four of them could potentially be emailing the uh, consumer. 
So they may have a point of sale solution that's emailing them, then their LOS may be emailing them, then they have a, a little database you know, email platform they use to blast email to people, then they're using another software to do some type of drip marketing. And that becomes you know, very difficult to really manage customer experience. If you think about it, if you're trying to communicate through different platforms and they don't know what's going on, you, know, you might give the customer a really bad feeling. Right? You know, no one likes it when you call someone or you do something and you've already explained yourself or you know what's going on and, they, and then they ask you, you know, they, they send you some information that's not relevant. Right. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm talking about this purchase. I want to get pre-approved for a home loan. Oh, great. You got the application. You know, you're, you're approved, Josh. But also I get an email from somewhere else saying something about, you know, call us to get approved for a loan. And because the systems aren't talking to one another, um, that becomes, you know, a lot of friction for customers. So I think managing that and then really just making it easy for customers to talk to the lenders. The reality is as a lender, as anyone uh, in this marketplace now, in any marketplace, we have to be always on. Customers always have to get access. They need to be able to talk to people late at night. At times, they need to talk to people on the weekends. They need to be able to can carry the conversation on with the loan officers through text, through the mobile phone, you know, as, as they go about their day. So really having that always on and being able to be, you know, openly and connected to your customers, I think is really important. And that's funny you say that. Some of my friends that recently completed the home buying process, they said the biggest frustration was that the lender would ask for the same document over and over. And they say, I've already sent this. Or I have friends who, having owned homes for a little while, have said, well, I wasn't told that my servicer was going to be transferred and I just started getting uh, statements with new company letterhead on it and that threw me for a loop. So in conjunction with that, what are some tips you have for lenders to create customers for life? First step is just the, the initial origination process, Robert. Like you said, you've had friends in, you know, that, that get frustrated with having to supply the same documents over and over again or you know, sign, the, sign documents over and over again. There's an LE, there's a CD, those things, you know, you could potentially have a customer sign six, seven times, different figures and different numbers, that becomes frustration. So one of the biggest ways to create customers for life is to give people a, an amazing experience, right? An experience that's, that's tailored to them, that helps them. Um, and then having, you know, how do you brand with them along the way? So once you have them in your door, once you're in your sites and you're either processing or you close a transaction with them is, how do you keep them in your sites? How do you keep your name in front of them? Giving them something of value. So be able to stay in front of them in multiple places, right? Through social media, you want them to see your eyeballs, being able to give them something of value and content. They remember who you are. And then if you pay attention and you look at the data, um, you can start seeing buy-in signs, right? Maybe they uh, pulled their credit for a mortgage. They've ordered a payoff. They've listed their house for sale. They have a certain amount of equity. It's time for them to move up. There's all these different signs that you could then use and work and model off of it and come out and reach out to them at the, at the right time with the right offer. Once you have someone to give you trust enough to do a home loan, you should be able to get them again, right? The industry right now averages 19%. Consumers go back to the original lender 19% of the time. It means 81% of the time lenders lose. That's huge. Now, the study also said that those people who didn't go with the original lender, most of them would have. It's just that lender wasn't there when they were ready. I mean, do you remember who you got your car insurance with? Do you remember who, when you bought your car, do you remember who sold it to you? Do you know, there's all these things that you don't necessarily remember that original person, or you maybe remember them, but you don't have their contact information. They haven't been in front of you. You don't think to call them. Being able to build brand, give value, right? At the very beginning, give a great experience. And then, you know, stay in front of them, stay relevant. And I think that's how you drive customers for life. 
I remember changing car insurance companies multiple times over because apparently I have a heavy right foot on the uh, gas pedal. But if lenders are looking to improve that 19% figure, and obviously they are, what are some consumer direct tools lenders are utilizing in the growing purchase space? First is just like inbound, outbound, uh, call route and lead management. And what I mean by that is this, um, you have a consumer that's, let's say, looking for a house and they're on the weekend, they're looking to buy a home. Um, and maybe they go to your website and say, hey, I want to get pre-approved, or they potentially fill out an application for your POS. How quickly you contact that customer and how quickly you engage with them, that is how much more likely you are to close a transaction. MIT did a study some years ago that said online inquiries, if you reach out to them in the first five minutes versus 30 minutes, you're 100 times less likely to get a hold of them at 30 minutes versus five minutes. I mean, the numbers are astounding that their probability goes down the longer that customer sits there. So just that, you know, single facet of being able to be always on, right? So that's what customers want. I mean, the Amazon experience, customers want that. They kind of expect that. So if you don't have a process um, set up and you don't have the ability to use things like lead management, lead distribution, you may be producing leads online and you should be. If you're a lender right now and you're not producing leads, you don't have customers going on your website asking for a mortgage through just organic growth or social media, or some very small amounts of paid advertising, you're missing the boat. When those leads come in, they need to get sent and distributed to the right loan officers. They're looking to buy a house. Uh, maybe you're co-marketing with the uh, uh, real estate agent, and there's a lead form on their webpage about contacting you. Contact them immediately. So using those tools, um, I think, has become you know, really powerful, uh, impactful is inbound call routing, outbound call routing. What I mean by that, you know, actually providing phone numbers. So if someone calls, it distributes those calls to the right loan officers and also automates outbound dialing as well. And finally, one thing I wanted to ask you about, and I've been meaning to ask you this for years at this point, when I was working at SoFi, we had set up some CRM lead management solution and, and had other vendors, including Incelerate, hitting us up for their product. And we, we were saying, no, we already went with this other one. And we kept getting calls and kept getting calls. How do you weigh explaining the benefits of your product to lenders and, and continuing to push to become a client, knowing it can benefit them versus understanding when to accept no for an answer and, and, and weighing that longer term relationship potential there. There's three reasons why people say no was here's what I found and I haven't been able to find other reasons technically. Right. Number one is I don't know you. I don't trust you. Number two is I don't understand the benefit. So if it's a mortgage, I don't understand the benefit of a loan. You know, why, why does, you know, saving $250 a month make sense to me? Like, why is that impactful? Why I don't want to pay off my credit cards and put them in my home loan and finance them over 30 years. Well, the truth is they just don't understand that they already are financing their credit cards for 30 years, et cetera. They don't understand the benefit. Number three is I think I can get a better deal elsewhere. Someone else is going to give me a better deal. So what I typically, you know, focus on is let's, why is someone saying no? Is it trust? That you build it over time. Is a benefit. You have to understand how can you help them. And then better deal elsewhere, you know, really is basically is someone else going to serve them better than you are. And if you can't say no, and if it's an acceptable reason, then you just say, hey, great, thanks. Have a, you know, have a great day. If something changes or we come up with a new product, we'll let you know. And I think a lot of the time lenders are actually tripping over their own two feet where they have a, a very substantive tech stack, but they haven't put in the proper time and training for their employees to actually understand how it works and how it plays with itself and, and how it can really benefit them. Uh, so I, I very much appreciate you explaining that. Thanks for uh, making the time and coming on the podcast. Absolutely, Robert. Thanks for having me. 
The news came out last week, but it is worth every lender knowing. Despite all the talk of low housing inventory across the nation, new home sales soared 20.7% in March to a 1.021 million unit pace, well above expectations as February's figure was also revised higher. While that month-over-month increase stands out, it actually understates the strength of the housing market. Exceptionally strong demand, combined with savings built up from when potential borrowers were not dining out or spending money for other discretionary services, has new home sales running at their highest pace since 2006. Nearly 75% of homes sold in March were either under construction or not yet started, causing many builders to limit sales in new home communities as they struggled to get the lots, labor, and lumber they need to build more homes. Supply chain bottlenecks range from lumber and plywood to countertops, cabinets, molding, and appliances. There are also shortages of shipping containers. It has kept inventory at just a 3.6-month supply, with this past month's marginal increase in inventory coming all from homes where construction has not yet started. Inventories of completed homes fell to a new all-time low and will likely remain lean through the summer, if not longer. Let's also remember, existing home sales are incredibly strong too, facilitating the migration away from high-priced housing markets to lower-cost areas, primarily in the South and Mountain West. February's cold weather sharply hurt sales in Texas and other parts of the South and Midwest, where new homes tend to still be inexpensive relative to many other parts of the country. The median price of a new home declined from $346,000 in February to $331,000 in March, but home prices remain extremely volatile on a month-over-month basis. Home buyers may also be opting for less expensive homes to offset the impact of higher mortgage rates. Yesterday in the bond market, shorter-duration treasury yields, and with them I suppose arm rates, were unchanged, while longer-dated ones, including the benchmark 10-year yield, pulled back 5 basis points. The MBS basis ended tighter amid concerns about an optimistic FOMC statement and Fed Chair Powell, though the expectation is for him to continue to string bond traders along without revealing much in the way of future plans. The conference board's consumer confidence index jumped above expectations in April to its highest reading in 14 months, reflecting an improvement in attitudes about current conditions that is leading to increased hiring activity. On the housing front, the FHFA housing price index rose 0.9% in February, while the S&P Case-Shiller 20-City Home Price Index rose 11.9% in February. The day's $62 billion seven-year treasury note sale was received with good demand. The latest FOMC events will undoubtedly highlight today's economic calendar, though no material changes are expected in the statement due out this afternoon, and Chair Powell is expected to hold his recent optimistic line. Ahead of the Fed, we have a few economic releases to attend to. Even as mortgage rates drop for the third week in a row, Mortgage applications decreased 2.5% from one week earlier, according to data from the Mortgage Bankers Association's Weekly Mortgage Application Survey for the week ending April 23rd. We've also had March advanced indicators showing showing retail and wholesale inventories down 1.4% and up 1.4% respectively, with the goods trade balance registering a deficit of $90.6 billion. After the New York Fed desk released a new MBS purchase schedule yesterday afternoon covering the April 28th to May 13th period, that averages $6 billion per day with no changes to coupons, that schedule begins today with the desk conducting two operations, targeting up to $4.8 billion. We begin the day with agency MBS prices down worse nearly an eighth, and the 10-year yielding 1.63% after closing yesterday at 1.62%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Yesterday afternoon, I went for a COVID test, and the nurse asked me, have you had a sudden loss of taste? I said, no, I've always dressed like this. Thanks again to our sponsor, Capacity. Capacity connects apps, mines documents, captures tacit knowledge, and automates processes, all through a mobile-friendly chat interface. Capacity's conversational interface is easily embedded right on your website. Go live within 30 days.
If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.